I'm Nidhi Tiwari. And I'm Billy Samoa. And this is Relearned. Love Taboo. It's one of my favorite games. I think I'm particularly good at it. If I'm going to brag here for a little bit, it's a fun game. I think the problem is we're told to grow up. Like, that's it. We are fed from a very young age that we should continue to be developing and growing up as part of the trajectory that we all think we should be on. And then when we become a quote unquote adult, it's almost like we look bad or are not being an adult in the way in which we're meant to be if we do something that could be considered play. And that's crazy if you really think about it because play does so, so much. Honestly, my career was what it was in the corporate space because of play. And so I think play has so many different benefits. For me personally, it really helped to give me the opportunities that I had working for SolarCity, Tesla, and other companies that I might not have had. So that's kind of my personal journey with play, especially play as an adult. That's super fascinating because I think that as I reflect on some of the trainings that I've attended, they were so boring because there was no engaging element to it, right? And something like utilizing a game like the ones that you're describing with Family Feud, Jeopardy, things like that. I love that type of stuff. And I wish that more teachers, more trainers in the corporate space would think about how to engage audiences using these types of techniques and tactics because it does create like these associations, right? Like I think back to my biology class and my teacher in high school, he used to always have Jeopardy. And there were prizes. There was always something exciting. Same type of thing as what you're describing where you had like the Jeopardy music, including like that last uh, 30 seconds when you're like really down to the wire and they're playing the do, 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 do. And you're just like panicking. We did that. We, we... <laughs> I love that, right? But I remembered so much from those classes because I had such a good association and I feel like my brain kind of started to be like, oh yeah, I remember uh, underneath plant biology for 500, here was the answer that I came up with, right? So I just think it's brilliant. It's a brilliant strategy to utilize. Do you have early experiences that you remember from your childhood and what was play like for you growing up? It's a really important point to think about what we remember from our childhood because we obviously had all of these experiences collectively you can't remember them all are you are you typically at least i don't remember them all but the ones that stick out are the ones that were more adventurous more playful for me personally i remember for example being with some friends and going on this like epic and it probably wasn't even that far but this epic hike and into this gully we were at a friend's house in fresno and we went into his backyard and we went into this like almost like forest area, but we created this whole universe. And at the time, I didn't know this would be something that I remember as well as I do, but it sticks out even all these years later, call it 35 plus years later, I still remember all these elements. And so I think when we, when we do grow up and we kind of condition ourselves to stop playing it's almost like we stop having fun for fear of how we'll be looked at, which is to me, I think the big disconnect between the values and the, and the benefits of play versus what the reality is and, and how we bring play into our lives as an adult. I know you, we have a mutual friend in Jeff Harry who we're going to have in, on this show and talk through play at some point. You know, He's made it his whole career and his calling 
to talk about play, especially play in the workspace. So when you look at companies like Amazon, for example, I know Jeff Bezos is really big on the childlike mindset. I think there's immense benefits in having a childlike mindset from an innovation standpoint, from a creativity standpoint, from a happiness standpoint. When we play, guess what? We usually laugh. What happens when we laugh? We take in more oxygen. What happens when we take in more oxygen? We're allowing our body to get those endorphins and the the brain science that goes into having moments where we are laughing. Why do we feel good? Because our body is actually neurologically making us feel better. And so you're putting yourself in a heightened or a better state to do the things that you really want to be doing all the time. It's like, why do you feel great after a great laugh? Well, that's the reason. It totally is. And I used to really kind of turn my nose up a little bit at that, this thing called laughter yoga. But it's been researched to have some really positive effects on your mind and on your body. And as silly as it sounds for somebody to just randomly start ha ha haing and everybody else starts laughing alongside them, at some point you get into it and it does start to engage this reward system in your brain and release all of those good chemicals that you mentioned, Billy. So yeah, it's really fascinating, especially the relationship between play and creativity, how what you described that you were doing in childhood with creating your own world. Imagine what we could do if as adults, we engaged in that same process. It might look a little bit differently, but we could re-envision the world that's around us and come up with so many more creative solutions if we just allowed ourselves to not be so serious all the time, defensive, feeling like we always have to have our adult hat on. And I think that one of the best ways for adults to think about doing this is in relationship with other people, whether you have kids or your partner or your friends or whoever the person may be, even something as simple as playing a game of cornhole out in the backyard, right? Like everybody just hanging around and it becomes like this competitive thing. Everybody laughs and has a good time, but it's a bonding experience. And there's something that is connecting about the idea of playing a game together or doing something creative together as well. I think you just hit on probably the most important component of play, which is the ability to connect with other human beings. Studies have shown that happiness is largely based on your ability to have meaningful connections in your life. So if if we're just going to take that as a true assumption, then you think about play and what does that do? Well, it lowers the guard, right? That we all have when we're playing we're in a joyful mood. So we're lowering that natural, cynical, adult type of guard that we have up. And we're going to be a lot more receptive to those around us, especially if we do something that's team-oriented where we have to work together as part of the journey or the experience. And so a team that plays together stays together. I just thought of that. Like, you know, when we think about culture at work and we think about How do we create teams that really want to support each other for the long term? I think the thing that's really interesting is when you're in situations that take you out of the norm, out of the everyday, and you're doing something unique or different or fun or exciting, you're going to always look back at that with fondness and you're going to remember it really well. And so that connection that you're building when you're with these other people is a lot stronger than, say, just going through normal everyday work and the normal mundane meetings that are 
super boring. Imagine that you exchange a normal work meeting with a play meeting. And so this is something that you could do immediately. If you're a business owner or if you're a leader, think about how you could infuse play within the tapestry of your workday. And so actually, I'm curious, I would love to talk a little bit about some of the other ways we can embed play in our lives, not just work, but just generally. Any ideas from your end? Yeah, think about like my relationship with my husband, for example, where we have our own language that we've created. We make up alternate versions to songs and we joke with one another all the time. It sounds so ridiculous and silly. And no, I'm not going to sing one of our goofy songs today. Oh my God, you have to. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but it has been a wonderful, a wonderful bonding experience for us because it brings levity to our daily lives. And I have found that to be one of the most enjoyable parts of our relationship is that there is no guard. Like when the boundaries are gone in terms of what you think is appropriate adult behavior and you're allowing yourself to rhyme things that are silly and, you know, just joke around the way that you're able to joke around. I think that the more that we can find ways to integrate those types of dynamics into our relationships, that is powerful stuff and creates a a bond and a deepness of connection that you don't get when you're just always talking about business or it's always talking about the problems of a relationship. Every relationship has problems, but you have to be able to balance dealing with the stuff that is heavy with integrating elements that are light and airy into any relationship that you have. So that's my big thing is with my partner, my husband, I really, we make it a priority on a daily basis to do this. Another example is that like, I love the holiday season. I'm a big Christmas person just because there's so many traditions. There's so much fun that can be had. And so like almost every other day, my husband and I will go drive around and look at the tacky lights together. And in my area in Richmond, Virginia, there are these things called tacky lights, which are basically houses that have 100,000 lights on them. I mean, they're like massively decorated. There's something so joyful and fun and playful about going out there, listening to the Christmas music, getting to see like the synchronized lights go with the music, right? It just puts a smile on my face. So those are some of my daily practices or seasonal practices that I integrate. Do you do anything like that with your family, Billy? Yeah. First of all, I think it comes down to awareness and the just the sheer desire to bring play into your life, that's where it starts, right? You got to want to bring it in and you got to see the value in it and recognize when you're doing it. And so for me, I'd say you touched on a few things that I think can apply both to work and my own personal life. And I love the idea of a secret language. So for me, my son and I have a secret language. It's not super secret, but it's gibberish, which I don't know if you know how to speak gibberish. Not many people do. Do you know how to speak it? No, but I would think that we're as close to gibberish as we can get with our secret language. (laughs) (laughs) So gibberish, it's a fun language. So but a gill lit a gee at again at a guy, would a gill spit a geek at a gay lit a gang good a gidge lit a guy that a guess, would a gare at a guy sit a gay, would a girds that a get at a gar scram but a gold at a gup. Did a good you to go at a gun to the girls to the gand minigi? I love it. No. Did you understand me? No, but that was fantastic. <laughs> so I said, I, I said, you know, we speak this language where we scramble up words. And I said, do you understand me? For the 0.01% of people listening right now who do understand me, that you know what goes into that language. I used to speak this with my friends when I was a kid. And so now I'm speaking it with my son who's 10 years old. 
And it's so fun. And I think like secret handshake, a secret language, inside jokes, all of these are forms of play. And so I'm going to give a few tips that I think will help to embed more play into your lives. So first and foremost is schedule time for play, whether that be with your significant other, which clearly you gave a great example. I don't know if they're, see, we don't call them tacky lights here. And that may be because I'm the one that has the tacky lights. So I just don't want to be called tacky. I'm just, I'm half kidding but mostly not kidding. I have an obscene amount of lights that most of them are not up yet, but I'm going to put the rest of them up over the weekend. And so creating these opportunities in our day to play. When you schedule time to do anything, commit to doing it. Like commit to doing it. Your calendar should be sacred. So whatever it is that you feel is important to do, block the time to do it and then do it. I think that is a starting off point just across the board, not just related to play. Like be non-negotiable about those things that are important to you in your life and block the time to do it. So it could be going out and play. It could be something else entirely. So I'd say that's one big thing. The next big thing is find people in your network, in your, in your life who are fun people, who are playful people and give yourself the opportunity to embrace that side of them and allow it to rub off on you. If you're not naturally a playful person, you know who those playful people are. Jeff Harry is a great example. And there's others like Jeff and definitely encourage you to check out Jeff's work. Again, a lot of what he do is tailored to this belief and idea that play is so foundational to so much of what we can do. And it really is a superpower if you think about it. So bring those people into your life. The other thing is kids have an incredible way of inspiring us. I would look at children you know, for you, it's nieces, nephews. For me, it's, it's my son and his friends. And observe, how do they play? How do they bring play into their lives? What benefits? And just hearing them laugh, hearing those sounds, hearing the, the jovial nature of the conversations they have are, are super important. So I'm sure there's some other ways. Does any of that stick out for you? Or do you have any other immediate ways for people to embed more play into their lives? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love the fact that you are the ta- the tacky lights house on your neighborhood <laughs> block. That's fantastic. Plus, you didn't mention uh, people listening. Billy puts on the best Halloween haunted house in all of his area in LA. I mean, for real, this guy goes all out, he and his son. So that's another example of play, right? It's like you and your son make this a tradition, but it's so fun to put it up and Getting scared can also be fun and playful, right? And I just love that you do that. From my therapist background, a couple of questions that people can ponder upon to gauge where you're at in your playful process. One is, what messages did I receive about play? Because some of us grew up in households where when we were loud and rambunctious and running around the house, I was one of those kids that like loved rollerblading around my house. We had like tile and hardwood and I would literally put on my rollerblades and just like go in circles in my house. And of course, my parents hated that, right? Like they were like, stop, you're going to fall. Like, oh no, you're messing up the tile. And so it kind of taught me in that moment, like, uh uh-oh, certain types of play may not be okay, right? That was a message I received. So for those of you who are listening, be thinking about how did adults treat play in my life? And if you're thinking to yourself that I grew up in a household or went to a school where people just kind of squashed my excitement around play, know that you can reparent yourself. 
in adulthood, you have the choice and agency to be able to create opportunities for play and to do it in small ways. Maybe it's first that you start off downloading something like Peggle or some of those games on your phone and you kind of get into it that way, right? And from there, you build into playing games with your friends or creating these playful moments with your partner. But just recognizing that even if you came from a, a household or a background where play wasn't acceptable, if you're now in a safe place where you can experience it, give yourself the opportunity to do so. The second thing that came to my mind too, Billy, is that play doesn't have to be something that is so grandiose, that play is a form of expression. And particularly for those listeners that have children, or even for your own kid, I'm sure when he was younger, children express their emotions through play. And in my years of working with kids and adolescents as a therapist, I saw firsthand how kids express joy, excitement, sadness, pain, distress, all of these through their play objects, whatever they may be. So if you have children, then that's something to be paying attention to. What's my child communicating by the toys that they choose, by how they engage, how they respond to me as I play with them? And can I create more opportunities where we can bond through play, which is a child's language? Mm, powerful. I love that you've been able to observe this in a clinical way and also be able to share your insights and perspective because of what you do as a therapist. As you look at the benefits of play, it's kind of staggering all of the benefits collectively. And I'll just kind of rattle off a few things that I've either learned or have been really apparent that I think will help to, or if you're not already convinced that play is important, let's start with your brain. It develops so much more when you play. It actually stimulates new brain cell growth. So because it's stimulating new brain cell growth, imagine what you're able to, to do when you actually take the time to make a commitment to have more play in your life when it's actually something that you're consciously striving to do, where it's not just like every now and then I might play. No, when you're actually doing the things necessary to make it more of a habit. And I think that's ultimately where we want to get to is bring play to the forefront, make it a habit in your life. And through your daily behaviors, through your actions, through these activities, your brain, it benefits. So it's also going to strengthen the neuro pathways that exist in your brain. So I say that's one huge, huge, huge thing. The other thing that's interesting is studies have shown that it actually can bolster your immune system. So there's a physiological beyond the brain impact that it makes. Okay, so now we, we know we're basically smarter or, or have more capabilities with our mind. Now we know we're physically going to have the things. Then the other thing it does, we already talked about this a bit, is it deepens and strengthens the relationships in our life, especially with those that we play with. So it could be a bond between a parent and a child. It could be a bond between two adults in a relationship. It could be friends and board games. You mentioned board games, but guess what? You bring friends over and you have a fun time playing games with them. That is creating a deeper, stronger bond and relationship with those people in your life. So I wanted to give those, those big buckets. So it's connection, it's physical, and it's mental. It's all of those reasons combined that create 
all the reasons you need to bring more play into your life. As we round down here, what, what haven't we talked about yet? What else is on your mind when it comes to play? I hope that people listening are willing to relearn play because I think that the more that we're able to shift what we think we've known about it to see the benefits in the here and now, I think the more that we're able to implement what we're talking about. And so, you know, part of my own relearning was being able to learn about the neuroplasticity element, the learning element, being able to be more disarmed and engaged and that you retain information better when you're in a playful state. And I just think that the more that we're able to deconstruct some of our narratives around play, the better off that we will be. Such a great point. Recognize that we are the way we are because of our experiences, which obviously includes our early childhood development, the experiences we have as a kid, the relationships with our parents, and what we're taught and what we're conditioned to think and the patterns that are created in our lives in order to break free of some of those we'll call maybe not optimal patterns, we first have to recognize them and say, hey, these exist. Here's why they exist. I was conditioned to believe that I should act a certain way, be a certain way, conduct myself a certain way. And because of all those things, I'm never going to let my freak flag fly. I'm never going to do the things that will allow me to have the type of life where play is a meaningful and important part of my life because I'm supposed to be an adult. And so relearning play and bringing play to the forefront could literally change your life, could help you live longer. And so hopefully you found that in this episode, you got the inspiration and the knowledge necessary to bring some more play into your life. If you enjoyed the insights and perspectives you've gained from Relearned, please consider following the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're grateful for your support, and we look forward to being a part of your transformational journey. 